We're going to pray in preparation for the message this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless this time of hearing your word, of uh, seeing into uh, what Christ taught us about prayer and how to how to speak with you, how to engage with you, how to how to converse with you, how to how to respond to you as as Abba Father. Um, pray that Lord, you would uh, you would use this this message today, this series as a as a seeds. Um, planted in the lives of folks who are are hearing them, Lord God, that we would have a a greater prayer life, a deeper, more constant, more more ongoing and and um, blessed prayer life. In Christ's name, Amen. Um, this morning, I was gifted uh, a bottle of de skunk odor destroying shampoo, uh, which I believe was in response to something I said in a sermon. I don't know who delivered it. I don't know uh, when it was delivered. I assume it was in the last few weeks because I did the skunk thing here recently. But it was handed over to me, and I had been struggling for a message uh, illustration to use today, and this kind of clicked it. Um, we talked a little bit previously about uh, an experience that I had with my dog uh, being uh, sprayed by a skunk and uh, the various things that we did to try and get rid of the odor and, and how much of a misery that was. And I believe we compared it to repenting of sin and, like, getting sin and resentment and, like, sort of anger and that, like, unchristlike thing out of our hearts and our lives. Um, but uh, now that I have the shampoo, um, it occurs to me that, like, there are different ways I can, I can handle this. I could look at it and say, this is very funny. I hope I never have to use it. Everybody with me? Like, that is the ideal version of it. And um, I live in Big Sandy. For some reason, we have a lot of skunks here. Uh, I don't know what that is. I don't know why it is that all of a sudden, the last, like, five years, they're everywhere. And and um, why I lay in bed at, you know, in the morning when I wake up and the windows are open and I can smell that smell. And I think, uh-oh. There's one out there. Um, I, I don't know why that is. But um, the other way I could approach this, I could say, well, I hope I never need it. I could also say, now that I've got it, I can do anything. No. <laughs> uh, I was walking the dogs the other day. They tried to pull me. It was in the dark. They tried to pull me into a field. And uh, I, I'm, they were going nuts. And I'm pulling and fighting and dragging. And, and then I saw this very small skunk cross under the light. And... And really, with my skunk shampoo, I could throw caution to the wind because it doesn't matter anymore, right? Like, I can easily wash off the stain that comes along with failure as it relates to a skunk. Everybody realizes how idiotic this is, right? Like, there is no sense to this. There is no sense to the idea that now that I can wash it off, I might as well jump in with both feet and, and deal with a skunk. I might as well shoot one in my barn. I might as well <laughs> I might as well trap one and, and you know leave it I, whatever. Like I might as well do it because it, I can get away with it now. I can wash it off. Um, but it's dumb, right? It's just dumb. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's like hearing weird music in your ears and thinking that it's angels speaking to you, when in reality it's just, you know, the neighbor calling to let you know that there's a skunk in your yard. 
Um, sorry, that was a really not as good as I would prefer. Um, we're working our way through the Lord's Prayer, and we're coming up on the last, the last um, petition here. And I could split them. Actually, I think some scholars split them. I'm going to join them together. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And it is easy to assume, well, I am a new man in Christ. I have been washed. I, am, I have been washed by the blood. I have been made new. I, I can just sin all the more so that grace will abound, right? Like, I have the special shampoo. That always makes me laugh, that song, uh, Washed in the Blood, because it kind of sounds like a soap commercial. And I can say, you know, I can be washed in the... I might as well sin all the more that grace may abound. Um, but that's foolishness. I might as well, I, like, it is far better. By the way, if somebody, I'm going to ruin this piano bench with this puddle of seltzer water. Um, to run into temptation because we are forgiven, because we are in relationship with Christ, is foolishness, right? And this particular petition, it's a little dicey, and it's not an easy one, and I'm going to get into why. And actually, I had a couple people point out to me, Eric, God does not lead us into temptation. And, like, that's true, and we'll get into it, but, like, hear me out. This is an important thing for us to discuss, and it's important for us to discuss it because temptation is a life destroyer. Got it? Walking too near sin and playing with it and saying it's just a little bit or I'm not actually doing it, I'm just nearby. Or I'm married, I'm not dead. I can look at the menu, right? Like That's foolishness. We cannot, we cannot ignore the reality of, thank you, Jesse, um, the reality of who we are in Christ. Um, and praying this is a reminder Real quick, we're going to do some background. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is, of course, a prayer we can recite. Uh, the early church recited it. There's indication of that in uh, as early as the first century in the Didache. The, uh, the church uh, like instructed believers to pray this prayer three times a day, morning, noon, and night. Uh, and I actually think that's a good guide. Praying it um, is, is a good thing to do. But it is more than just praying this particular set of lines. It is more than reciting lines. As the text before we got into the Lord's Prayer said, don't babble on saying meaningless words. Talk like you mean it. And these are things that we mean. It is topics that we dig into. And over the course of this series, we've looked at every part of the Lord's Prayer as a topic, which I think is what Jesus is doing. He's giving us a guide for praying. These are things we can talk to God about. We can talk to him about him being our father, our Abba, like daddy in uh, Aramaic, um, and our relationship with him. And that's a big deal. And actually, some people need to pray about that, right? Like some people... I've known over the years, I've talked to people who have bad relationships with their dad, and that shapes how they see God, and it messes up how they see God. And talking to God about him as our father is part of how we overcome that, Um, part of how we, you know, we confess that difficulty in our lives, that that hang up, um, and engage with him about it. Our father, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. These first three are all about God in heaven, like they're the just like the Ten Commandments. I'm gonna do this real short. Um, they're all the first table of the Ten Commandments is all about God. These are all about God. It is let us treat your name as holy. Let your kingdom, like your rule, your kingship, your realm, let it encompass us. 
um, and let your will be done, meaning everything that happens, let it be according to your will. On earth as it is in heaven, we talked about this, it's a hinge where we go from talking about God to us, but that heaven-earth connection is part of us saying to God, like, look, God, I want you to be king, not just in heaven, but in my life, not just in the rest of the world, but in my life. These next petitions all relate to our lives, and the first three all affect them. Go back and listen to the previous sermons if you need to help get to sleep at night, or if you would like to dig into that a little more. Give us this day our daily bread is obviously, God, take care of my needs. Forgiveness, dealing with our past sins. Like, God, forgive me my sins and help me forgive others, right? Help me wash off the stink of my sin and my resentment towards others, right? Like, like give me the shampoo. And then we pray, God, don't let me be tempted to use the shampoo <laughs> to, to get myself in a mess because I know the shampoo will just wash it off. Right, Because that is a dumb way of thinking. It is dumb to say, I know this will make my wife mad, but I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to say sorry. Why? Because it is the wrong way to approach it. Um, It is dumb to say, let the dogs chase the skunk, I'll just wash them. It's dumb. Um, And so, as we talk about temptation, what we're talking about, so we talked about past sins, now we're going to talk about future sins. Um, God, forgive my past sins. God, help me avoid future sin. Now, Matthew 6.13, there's some difficulty in understanding this text. Uh, I guess I could go to it and read it. It's, uh, I, I kind of know, most of us know this one by heart, right? Um, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But deliver us from evil. Now, the word temptation, this is a hard to understand phrase, and we're going to get into why. First off, temptation can be translated a couple of different ways. It can be, you know, temptation like that, right? Like if I were to walk into a Sunday school classroom and there was a whole tray of cupcakes not meant for me, that would be a temptation, right? It would be a temptation to eat cupcakes that do not belong to me. It would be a temptation to uh, cheat on my diet and not lose weight. It would be a temptation to do all kinds of things. And that is temptation. There are, of course, a million versions of temptation. We have the internet in our pockets, which is 99.5% temptation, right? Want this thing that doesn't belong to you. Be angry at your neighbor about his politics. Um, You know, lust after this, lust after that. Like, like you name it, it is there. Waste your time like, like it's not a gift God has given you. All of these things, these are temptations. Um, it can also be translated as a test. We see this in the Old Testament. This is actually how Job uses the word. Uh, test, as in God is testing me. God is taking away from me, and I am dealing with it. Um, you know, it's like God tests Job. Um, and actually, to some degree, God allows to, to abuse Job, and that is the test Job undergoes. Um, and that is a potential way to read this. It's also possible that this refers to fiery trial, like, um, I don't know, Rackjack and Benny getting tossed in the literal fire, uh, rather than, you know, worshiping the wrong God. What? I think you said that this word is used as a You're welcome. <laughs> fiery trial can also refer to, like, Peter, um, you know, being in a time of trial after running away. 
after denouncing Christ, like, like this fiery trial that Peter faces in that moment and then afterwards as he decides what to do next. Like fiery trial is a big idea. And here's the thing. I think that one of these is more right than the others. However, they're all usable. Everybody with me? If I'm going to pray for God to help me out with trial, some trial is going to be trial that is awful and is unavoidable, and it happens. And I have to look at it, and I have to say, what is this going to do? What am I going to do in this trial? How am I going to be when I come out the other side? Am I going to be a man who is complaining? Am I going to be like the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years? Am I going to be all of these things? I actually read a line here a few weeks, um, about a month ago, actually, and it sort of altered my attitude, and that was God will sometimes let you be in the desert. It was in reference to the Israelites in Deuteronomy either 6 or 8, I don't remember at the moment. He said, sometimes God will let you be in the desert so you can be hungry, so you can learn that God, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And you can complain while you're there, or you can rebel, or you can do whatever you want. The fact of the matter is, you're going to be in that desert until you learn Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so it just makes more sense to learn it. Um, however, our stubborn hard-heartedness, at least mine, keeps me in the desert a long time sometimes. Um, sometimes we, we want to make everything worse because we're in the desert today. Sometimes we're in that t- testing or in that time of difficulty where God is putting us in a spot to grow us or to train us or what have you. And it's hard. Um, we're going to jump to James 1.13. Sorry, that was a slight sidetrack. Uh, i got to keep my eye on the clock. Uh, James 1.13. Oh, we're going to actually start in 12, I guess. Um, and we're going to go past 13. So, uh, everybody find it? Okay. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, the test... He will receive the crown of life. By the way, what that means is the life that we're living right now. Like this life is a test. It is full of tests. And we receive Christ. We receive eternal life in Christ as we go through this and stand firm. If we stumble, if we fall, if we fail, we fall away, we rebel, we throw it all away, whatever. We don't receive the crown of life because we're walking away from Christ. But it's not us earning it. Anyway which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, what's going on there is James is saying, listen, trial is good because trial is an opportunity to stand. But be careful when you're in trial because desiring, temptation is desire to sin. Temptation to not trust God, to to indulge, to to run away, to, to whatever it is, that temptation, it sees the truth and it grabs a hold of it and it like gives birth to something bad. And that something bad can ruin your life or divert you away from your intimacy with Christ or what have you. It can screw you up. And that, that is, that is the problem. And so, but like the important part here is God does not tempt us. Meaning, God does not wave something good in front of you 
and say, hey, wouldn't this be fun? Hey, wouldn't it be fun to rebel against me? Hey, actually, I've seen that on, um, on uh, it's a trend on the Internet where uh, um, young ladies or wives or what have you will, will have people like hit on their boyfriends or husbands or whatever to see if they'll cheat. Well, that's insane, right? Like, that's insane. Like, that's not a normal thing. Um, you know, it is not. Why? Because if you love someone, I mean, I guess there's something really dysfunctional and broken happening there, but that's not an act of love. Hey, let me see if you're going to betray me, and I'm going to put something out there to see if I can get you to betray me so I'll know if you'll betray me. That's weird. That is not how God deals with us. God does not desire that we sin. And in fact, God views sin as utterly detestable. I will get in trouble if I dig into it too much, and so I will not have a private conversation with me. I'll tell you all the fun stuff. But like when you look at how God describes sin in the Old Testament, like in graphic, disgusting terms, like you begin to understand that God finds sin revolting, detestable. Like he hates sin, and so much so is God contra to sin, that if sin enters his presence, it is destroyed, it is consumed with the fire of his holiness. And so, like, God can't tempt us. And so there's this desire to read this sometimes and say, well, God, don't lead me into temptation. Don't bring me to a place where I'll be tempted. Don't stick me in a spot where I'm going to want something that doesn't belong to me or what have you. Like, God doesn't do that to us. God does not tempt us. God is not the one in the garden with the apple saying, hey, wouldn't apple pie be good right now? Um, Forbidden fruit pie, not apple pie, actually. It wasn't an apple. Uh, Ancients believed it was a fig. I don't even believe that. Um, It was what it was. Uh, But God wasn't the one tempted. It was Satan that did that. God does not tempt us to sin. And so this prayer is not... God, do not lead me into places where I'm going to sin, right? So, like, if the internal GPS is on and God is telling me where to go, I'm not saying, God, don't set the GPS to the local adult bookstore. That's not it. Got it? Um, Like, God doesn't do that. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, The other part here, there's sometimes a desire, and I think it is a reasonable way to handle it, but I'm going to be clear about what the text says. Some translators look at this and they'll take evil as the evil one. It's just not what it says. It's not. There's no way. Because the evil one, referring to Satan, involves the as a, what's the grammatical term there? Like a, like a, yeah, it makes it into a proper, anyway, the, the, the word the, as it appears in this, doesn't, it doesn't exist in Hebrew, it doesn't appear in Aramaic, it is an utterly foreign linguistic thought. Um, The only way for it to be that would be for the Greek to be something different than what was possible in the language it was spoken in. The evil one is not what the text says. just doesn't. Um, It is not referring to Satan specifically. However, it is legitimate to pray it that way and say, Lord, deliver me from Satan. Right? Because Satan does attack us. He does tempt us. He does whisper in our ears. He does say to us, hey, is it, did God really say? Or like, hey, do you really think God is going to do this if you pray for it? Or hey, what's the point in trying? You're just going to sin anyway. Or hey, isn't God like just abandoning you to suffer? Or whatever else Satan says to you. And asking God to deliver us from that is the first line of defense against that temptation, against that attack from Satan. I had somebody ask me about this um, 
recently, like, well, wait a minute, what if I find myself doubting and like saying, well, will God really do this? Or did God really say, that's Satan, like that's what that is. Um, and trusting God involves us escaping that. And there's a lot of stuff the scriptures say, resist him and he'll flee from you and so forth. But I'm here to tell you, praying in the name of Christ, Jesus, deliver me from this temptation. Deliver me from Satan. That works. And it's something you sometimes have to do over and over and over and over and over again because some temptations follow you, right? Um, And so that. It is evil in a general sense, not the evil one, but we can pray it both ways. Now, um, if we go into the Aramaic and guess. Now, this is a guess. Everybody with me? I don't. I, like, there's no Aramaic version of this text. However, if we approximate based on what the Aramaic would say or how they would phrase it in the original language that Jesus would have been speaking, um, it would be, do not abandon us to temptation. Don't leave me without help when I get there. Don't put me in that spot and, like, not support me. Don't, don't drag me into a place where I have no choices you know, or where I have a hard choice to make and then leave me without your spirit to make me choose correctly. Strengthen me in temptation. That's hard, isn't it? Um, but it is a reasonable way to read it. I do think this is a way for us to talk to God. As we are praying through the Lord's Prayer and we come to this bit about temptation, first off, is anybody, seriously, is anybody not tempted ever? Not tempted to be angry? Not tempted to waste time? Not tempted by, um, you know, by wasting resources. Not tempted by gossip. I know nobody's ever tempted by gossip. Not tempted by resentment or unforgiveness. No, I mean, we're all tempted. And when we reach this place, it is possible a way for us to talk to God about this, to stop and say, God, help me when I am tempted to gossip. Help me when I feel the desire to not forgive. Help me when I want to pour gas on that angry fire inside me. You know the one I'm talking about? Help me do this. Help me not flee from you in my shame. Um, don't abandon me. Or do not let me succumb to it. Lord God, when I'm washed over by this, strengthen me so I don't collapse. Because ultimately what makes it possible for us to overcome sin is the Holy Spirit in us. We are made new in Christ. We are able to overcome sin because of Christ the Holy Spirit in us, and that makes it possible. And so God can strengthen us in those periods. Part of us, though, needs to work at it, right? I gotta spend time talking to Jesus. I gotta pursue Him. I gotta um, think that if I'm going to, you know, I gotta make wise decisions. When I uh, quit drinking a million years ago, uh, 18 years ago, I did not go anywhere uh, that served alcohol by myself, ever. Never did. Just would not go. And still today, I'll go to like Peps to pick up a to-go order, but I don't eat there by myself. You know why? If I hang out near it long enough, it's going to be a problem. I have to plan for temptation. I have to plan for my spiritual weakness. I have to plan for these things. Um, The next thing that's kind of important for understanding what this might mean is, but. Right? That's a big but. Uh, it is a strong adversive in the Greek, meaning it is a strong contrary statement. Like in the Greek, the original is a very, like, this is a very emphatic statement of, but deliver us from evil. And it suggests 
that in order to understand the first half, we need to read the second half as a contrast. So if deliver me from evil is the contrast, then don't abandon me to temptation is a pretty strong read, right? Don't leave me there. Don't, you know, don't let me wander away like I can be the one sheep wandering off. Don't let me wander into that. Get me out of there. Um, the thing is, and it's a funny thing, I don't need God I would never need God to bring me to temptation. I can find my own way, right? Like, I don't need anybody to tell me about sin. I know all about it, and I'll get there on my own. And I'll invent new ways to get there. Um, Years ago, when we were in Costa Rica, my wife and I had a GPS that was, uh, at times, colorful. And it had us, like, drive goat paths and everything else. It was so nuts. And there were times that we were being led, and I'm like, there's no way this is going to get us where we're going. And it did, right? Like, but I, 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 when it comes to sin, I don't even need the GPS. I'll get there. Um, so, how do we come at this first? Then, what do we do? First off, we can be re- we can read it as a request that God bring us away from any situation um, that would like deliver us to peril. Like, or or there's a typo there. Um, have God. A, it's praying for God to bring us away from anything that might bring us into peril. It is it is looking at it and saying, well, God, help me to not go there. Help me to not end up there. Help me to not wander into that place. I uh, I remember I quit smoking when I quit drinking, and I would uh, I kept going to the same gas station, and every time I pulled into that gas station, I would say, I'm not going to buy cigarettes today. <laughs> and guess what I did? Like, it was the weirdest thing. I'd say, like, not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. And as I'm driving away, having filled my tank, I would be lighting up my first cigarette and thinking, how did this happen? Because if I go there, I had to drive somewhere else, and I had to make it a point to drive somewhere else. And I think asking God to help us do this is smart. Uh, 2, 2, 9, uh, 2 Peter 2, chapter 2, verse 9. Um, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and who despise authority. What's he saying? He's saying, Peter is saying in this text, and actually you can check the Timothy one, it's almost the same, um, is this idea that God knows how to deliver us from these moments. God knows how to bring us where we should not be right now, where we should not step because it will destroy us. And I can think of a lot of instances in my 40-some-odd years um, where I was wandering into disaster and God steered me elsewhere. And God will do that for you. But praying for it is part of the equation. Asking for God to bring us out of those situations. Asking God to bring us where we ought to be. Um, This can also be a request that God take us from anything that might damage our relationship with him. This is actually my favorite read. It is based on uh, the Talmud. Uh, If you read the way that the Talmud uses words like temptation and evil, right? Temptation and evil. If you read it, they're oftentimes paired together, and the general sense is... God, anything that is going to screw up my relationship with you, take it away from me. Anything that is going to mess up me and you, don't let it come near me. That's the opposite of, you know, hey, I'll just ask for forgiveness. I'm going to mess up my clean, 
outfit, and I'm going to mess up the dogs, I'm going to mess up the house, but I got the special shampoo. That's not relationship, right? That's abuse. That's abusing God. It's abusing His grace. Um, To approach this text and say, God, bring me anywhere but where I'm going to need to use this shampoo again. God, put me anywhere but where I have to wash up. God, anything that draws me closer to you and not away from you is what I desire. Um, A final thing I wanted to... uh, uh, Well, we can also be asking, God, don't put me in a spot where I'll be tested. Now, testing is good for you, right? There are times where going through a season of testing will be good because it will teach you, it will train you, it will shape you, it will do good things for you. But like... I don't think it's unreasonable to say, God, don't put me in the desert, right? Hey, God, that Job thing, I could read about it. Don't got to do it. Um, Lord, I don't really need to go into the furnace. And actually, there's precedence for praying this way, where Jesus says, Lord, if this cup can be passed from me, but not my will, but yours. And I think part of this prayer is assuming your will be done. That doesn't mean we can use God's will as an excuse for temptation or chasing the skunks in our world like we can't do that. Um, But there are days God will put skunks in your path. And you'll have to make a decision to run away or not. Um, Sometimes running... Well, anyway, you get into that. Um, Finally, as the last thing, I'm going to cut my last slide. Um, By the way, it is important to note, as hard as tests are, they bring us to spiritual maturity, right? That is uh, James 1 again, where James says, uh, you know, that through trial we we develop steadfastness, like we come into full maturity in Christ. Like, so consider it pure joy when you face trials of every kind. Like, and so as we ask for reprieve, we need to understand God, sometimes he's going to put us in spots that are awful, and he does that for our own good, to help us grow. Um, this is always done with a thy will mindset, mind you, like your will be done. Finally, we can read this opening phrase as, and I just am including it because I thought it was a cool word and a cool idea. It is called a litotes. Litotes? Any English teachers? No? Uh, It is saying the opposite for emphasis, like you won't be sorry that you bought a Ford or whatever, right? You know, which basically means you'll be real glad you bought this thing. You won't be sorry that you stayed awake through Eric's sermon. You know, meaning you'll be really happy you made it through the sermon. Um, it could be the case that it is, God, lead us not into temptation. And then the following phrase is the actual statement. God, take anything away from me. Um, and it could be read that way. But regardless of how we read it, um, the sense, I think, from the, the Talmud is the strongest one. As we approach God, as we pray, as we pray for forgiveness, following it up with the request, like, God, hold me to be closer to you. God, anything in my life that draws me away from you, take it away. I've known people in this church who've done that. I can't be on Facebook anymore. It's screwing up my relationship with God. I can't do that. I, I can't have this in my life anymore. It's drawing me away from Christ. I can't associate with this person. They're, they're like drawing me away from Jesus. Like We have to sometimes make those choices. And praying for them, number one, brings us wisdom. Number two is asking for God to assist us in the process. Ultimately, lead us not to temptation is about, God, bring me away from 
the things that will mess up my relationship with you. And actually, that needs to be something we pray for every day. There was a season in my marriage where I would ask my wife, and I know it's hard to believe, there are little things I do that are annoying. I know we're all shocked. And I had to ask my wife, honey, what are things that I do all the time that annoy you? And it was not a very fun list to hear because it was not a short list. But that's the sense of this prayer. Lord, what are the things that cause me to fall from you? What are the things that cause me to wander away? Lord, what do I do that hurts you? How do I fix it? And it'll be little things and it'll be big things. For my wife, it was changing the toilet paper roll or taking my shoes off or telling certain stories over and over again that she finds embarrassing. For us, and my challenge for you this week is you pray as you go to the Lord, as you sit down with your Father, as you work through the Lord's Prayer, and I encourage you, do this daily. Talk to God about these things. Come to this place and say, Lord, what's the temptation that's bringing me out of the flock? What is the temptation that is screwing up our relationship? What is the temptation that is hardening my heart or blinding me to your will? What are the temptations that I'm failing in? And then beyond that, Lord, I'm facing this. If this is a trial I have to go through to mature, help me grow, Lord, so I can be done. Help me to learn to live on bread, like not on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God so I can get out of this desert. Help me, help me to rejoice in suffering in the name of Christ. This is a daily prayer. Why? Because, honestly, of all the things... Like, other than forgiveness every day, and I guess food every day, Lord, I'm going to be tempted every day. Help me to not end up there. Lord, I'm going to struggle every day. Help me to not end up there. So we're going to close in prayer, and I will let you go. It is 12.01 or something like that. 12 o'clock and 15 seconds. Heavenly Father, I pray... I pray that you would help us to overcome temptation daily. Help us to overcome this desire to chase after the things of this world, the, the, the shiny objects, the, the, the fun little distractions. Help us to recognize that anything that draws us away from you, away from the walk that we have with you, away from pursuing intimacy with Christ and a deeper knowledge of you, anything in that area, like help us to recognize that those things are drawing us into sin and into death. I pray, Lord God, that we would be a praying people, that we would pray for deliverance from temptation, that we would pray for holiness, not just in the forgiveness and the reception of the blood of Christ, but also in the way that we live our lives from this day forward. In Christ's name, amen. Have a good Sunday.